0: Do you expect us to talk? Okay then. Welcome to episode four of the podcast all about Bond, James Bond. This week we'll be discussing Goldfinger. Goldfinger.
1: Sorry, had to do that.
0: Starring Sean Connery, directed by Guy Hamilton, and released in 1964. So, what do you think about Goldfinger?
1: Um. Well, I'll. I'll shall I kick off? Um. Yes. Uh, I. It. It's funny because I was. I was. Uh. Well, did, last week was *For Russia of Love*, which I've come on and said it's my. Favorite Connery, and it still is just about my favorite Connery. But Goldfinger does push it because my God, it still holds up to this day. Even though it is proper swinging sixties Bond through and through. It 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 it's 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 the it's the it's the Bond which started to be more say glamorous and more like more about the spectacle and the gadgets and the and the big set pieces. Um and but but basically it comes more the Bond that we uh, know and love but as a film it's just endlessly watchable um and really entertaining. Um so we, uh, that's my initial reaction on in Goldfinger. Uh so David, over to you. Yeah. To I've quote of, David Frost.
2: I had so <laughs> much fun with this this time. And you know, the my my view into the Bond films, they they kind of vary in the my top my favorites tend to stay my favorites, and the ones I don't like tend to stay the ones I don't like. but within that you you know you have a, a sort of different quality of viewing each time, or I certainly do and I have to say the, the last couple of times I've seen Goldfinger, I, I saw it on the big screen a couple of months ago, and i I saw it again in preparation for this, and I just had so much fun with it. it was light, endlessly watchable. And it flies through its running time. He was sat, the scene later in the film where, well, I've always thought it was somewhere in sort of the middle of the film, where he sat drinking mint tulips on the Kentucky ranch with uh, Goldfinger. I looked at the time and we were about 25 minutes from the end of the film. It just, it flies by and it just, it just feels effortless. You know, from Russia with love, really, and I mean this in the most positive way about both of them, from Russia With Love feels like someone has sat down and really had to think about it and plan it and it looks like it was kind of a difficult film to make and script. Goldfinger just feels effortless.
1: It's it's kind of weird because um, I had a kind of semi... Semi, sorry. I, was, I, I, no, I, I didn't I, like <laughs> it that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I kind of had a bit of a, a Skyfall vibe coming from it. Like, I imagine like, the people... Watching it back then, would it like comparing that co- contrast from, from Russia of Love to Goldfinger? Must have been felt like the same contrast as Quantum of Source to Skyfall almost. It just felt like they're you know, just like bond that's when the bonfires just lifting into something that's completely different, where it just suddenly went like this this big thing that we know and love, and it just felt like it felt like a huge face lift. But a face at the height of its popularity, which just really took off. Mm. If you get with me, I, I, I don't know. I, I I had a sense of like it was the Skyfall of its day.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with you there definitely. But I'm not sure about you comparing Quantum of Solace to. A well, other. no, no. I mean,
1: I, I mean. Well, I I, I do <laughs> no, I, I, like, I do like Quantum of Solace, but. Um, I know what you no, mean. No, but in, in terms of like in contrast to Skyfall, Goldfinger itself. It it just feels like that kind of thing because Quantum was always was kind of mega serious, shall we say, and, and so and so is Rush for Love. It's more plotty, but uh, yeah, that's the thing, that's where I was going with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was the first kind of film really to cement the, the Bond formula, as it were, wasn't it? So you've got like, the girls, the gadgets, the guns, um, exotic locations, action, and yeah, I agree with both of you guys actually. It's just probably, for me, it's probably my, my favourite Connery performance. Um, also I agree with you, Dave, just the runtime just zips by. But you kind of you not you know, haven't got time to look at your watch and think, oh, when does it end rah because all the time you know, it's just it did yeah,
1: actually... it's, it's the
0: high point in the series, or well, in Connery's has... era anyway.
1: And it has a granny with a machine gun as well.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about her. Yeah. On the gate. She's like, yeah, cutscene and she opens the gate for you and then oh, she'll yeah, yeah. on the way out. <laughs> when
1: I was younger, I I, I always thought it was goldfinger and drag. <laughs> <laughs> Why,
0: would Why would you do that? granny?
2: I mean, I know we get Blofeld in drag a bit further down the line in this series, but why would Goldfinger just go, well, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll I was mad. young, I thought that was
1: <laughs> what I was thinking. It's just like, you know, it's just she was just a bit round looking for her. It's probably Goldfinger. You, know, you never see her again. So I my mind Goldfinger. never went there once. But so
0: you don't know who he is. It did occur
1: to me, actually. In, in... She did look a bit mannish, what can I say?
0: Oh, bless
1: her. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, but I mean, you know, compared to who? Shirley Eaton and <laughs> Honor Blackman and, uh, yeah. It's, uh,
0: Tanya Mallet, all those people. <laughs> Tanya
2: Mallet, the name, I just, the, yeah, the name um, just suddenly escaped me. But, yeah, Tanya Mallet. Speaking of Mallett. the
0: Bond girls, this is probably, is it the most girls that Bond has in the film? I mean, you've got, like, Dink, um, which we'll talk about later on. but well, I want to talk about it anyway. Penny. Um but he doesn't have money, penny. Have, like, have so like, money well, I know but it, it doesn't technically have a money Penny. but there's that kind of you know ongoing relationship I I can like six girls in this film it's to be the I most, I, most, I most think it's kind heard. of
1: funny how cuz it starts off with really like he, he sleeps with one she gets killed the, in an iconic way of getting paint with, with gold which he, he does in a, in a, in a very bold way that like she just sneaks into the room just like seduces her to like just change sides that she dare and then and, and then shags her <laughs> he's just like and that's that's, that's, that's kind of bold um, and, <laughs> bold move um, bold move <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and then makes a dig at the Beatles which is like what Ooh, uh,
0: shocking uh, positively, positively shocking, shocking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and so, and then, then he meets like uh her, her sister is out for revenge, and you think, alright, oh, so she's gonna be the main Bond girl, she's like gonna be out for revenge, and no, she gets fucking killed because she's, at, right. she's, killed she's useless as well. She's absolutely fucking, she's a terrible shot. Oh,
0: not a good shot, that's and
1: it. yeah, and yeah, so it, it does feel a little bit like, like I think, I'm not sure if it was the like a script's intention, whether it was just like they decided deliberately to kind of just write this character in and then just like to kind of just turn. Turn a complete different corner just to shock the audience, you or whether they just, or, or, or whether they had like this idea and they thought, actually no, nah, pussy girl, and then just, then like, oh, what should I do? Oh, I'll just kill it off? <laughs> yeah, you
0: know? afterthought.
1: Yeah, kind of, but I, 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 but I don't know. Bit, I think it kind of works as a kind of like a, like you know, particularly if you're watching for the first time, you think, oh, oh, right, she's been main, main bonga. Oh no, she's dead
2: it does it does remind me of uh when m says to craig in in one of his one of his films about um you're racking up quite the body count and i think that there's possibly an element of that that we we you know everywhere you know it's all going slightly wrong for bond consistently Goldfinger is besting him earlier in earlier in the film but yeah talking about running time i i was it did occur to me when i i sort of looked at a time check for it most Bond films now are over two hours. Quantum of Solace was an exception. I think there might have been one during the Brosnan as well. But the average length of a Bond film is something like two hours and five minutes, or something like that. And uh, these, the, the first three Conneries are under two hours. Um, when we get to Thunderball next week, well, we get to the, the Bond films starting to get longer and a little bit more bloated. Some of them are certainly too long. Connery so we've got, well. we got sort of we got a few firsts and last. <laughs> Ooh. no no sorry. that's the week after with Connery getting bloated as well. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean we've got a few first and la- firsts and lasts with this film. Um it's the it's the last one to have Bob Simmons for the gun barrel. So mm. it's the first time we have sorry, it's the last time we have a gun barrel that isn't the Bond actor themselves. Um it's the first one to be shot in that aspect ratio. Next week we go sort of cinema scope and two thirty five to one. Um it's the first change of director as well.
1: It is. I mean he was originally well he's one of the directors up for directing Doctor No. He turned um, it down,
2: he was offered Doctor No.
1: Yeah. Uh what why did they not go with Terrence Young to uh Gary is it uh Gary Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, what what would it just feel like a change or was uh, Terence Young just uh, not available at the time Was it was it like that or what it, what happened there
2: It's not really talked about in in any of the <laughs> the extras or, or that I've read or seen. You know, um, I, I, it it really never seemed to be that he was dropped or he turned it down or or anything. I I, I do get the impression that Guy Hamilton was in line to direct one at some point because he was offered Doctor No, and as the series turned off, I think, to, uh, sort of, um, as the series built in popularity, and he saw that there was a very viable franchise there, I think he was always in producers' minds. Um, Terence Young does return next week, so there was clearly no falling out. Mm. Um, but I know that Terence Young expressed a preference, the only, the only sort of fact I, I know about Terence Young in terms of the films he directed was when they were in early talks as to which film he always expressed a preference for three, and they were the three he directed. Well, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know it, it could be as simple as Terence Young directed the Bond films he wanted to direct.
0: Yeah,
2: fair enough. Guy Hamilton does bring a slight change of tone, and yeah. it really it really does sort of hit home in future weeks when because Guy Hamilton directs a total of four. Bond films through the series, um, and I think he's responsible for some of the weaker entries as alongside this.
1: Uh, yeah, I think this. I think he's the the main feather in his cap is Goldfinger. I think yeah,
0: that's probably the strongest. I, think, I think, think the
1: other ones are pretty. Did, did oh, no, I know? I did. He do um, Live and Let Die. Yes. Oh right, well he has that as well. Um, but then doesn't he do Diamonds Are Forever?
2: He's, he, he did three in a row. He did Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and then The Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. And arguably, two of those are dreck. Yes, <laughs> we, will, <laughs> we will try to watch them with an open mind. But at this stage of this sort of uh, this exercise, having not seen those for a little while, no,
1: hang on, wasn't Man with the Golden Gun the same guy that the Spy Love Me or my? I...
2: That was Lewis Gilbert. That was,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. Lewis it? Gilbert, did three. We're we're going to get to our first Lewis Gilbert in a couple of weeks. Um,
0: oh yes, of course. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. They it. really do kind of like three or so in a row, don't they? I mean, then you get to um, films like Piranha only Only Octopus, and that way kind of you do like five in a row. John yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. John Glenn that's the one. So yeah. yeah, they tend to kind of do it in in a run. But yeah, I'd say so, Goldfinger's probably Guy Hamilton's strongest film in the in in his trilogy, as it were. But I mean, to be fair, his
2: Trilogy,
0: trilogy of Four, yeah, yeah, Trilogy of Four, his. <laughs> <laughs> not quadriggy what's what's the real name for for a series of four films i don't know anyway semantics aside or whatever you want to call it anyway moving on
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so this is the first bomb film with an actual fiend tune the actual you know the big showstopper shirley bassett
2: yeah, talking of another actual uh, 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 another first and another last, it's the first Shirley Bassey effort. She does three through the series, um, but it's also the last time we see Robert Brownjohn uh, titles. Uh, we go back to Morris Binder from next week. And, I did his titles uh, for the for the actual title sequences. Yeah, and I, I honestly think once he's in place, the formula's complete. Once we're, once he's in place and we've got over two hours and Cinemascope we've got the format down so yeah this is the last entry of Robert Brown John um, with the t- with uh, footage from the first couple of films playing over and and this film as well playing over the body of Margaret Nolan, Dink. Ah
0: Dink, little Dink. Um, also in the title did you spot a sequence that's not in Goldfinger?
2: I believe the helicopter sequence from, from Russia with Love is there.
0: Yep, pop quiz. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that with my A level film studies doing Goldfinger, and I was like, "Oh yeah." The, well,
1: while while we're just talking briefly about Forshaw sure Love, I will say this: it like, it, isn't it funny how like the most iconic um, shot of Connery, particularly from of Love, is is him with a luger, but he never once uses a luger.
0: No, you never see it. In
1: using. any, in fact, Bond, I don't think I've seen Bond use a luger once in any of the films.
0: No, it's very strange. Maybe it's I, it, it, maybe it's the shape of it, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it must be just pits and like a lot, you know, with a Luger. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more,
0: more, associated, more associated with the like, evil Nazis and those kind of, you know, the war movies and things like that, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I've got that it, poster in my bedroom, on my bedroom wall, so I'm like, hmm, it doesn't actually appear in any film, what's going on?
2: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the word iconic, actually, because I, I think that's a lot of the enduring appeal of Goldfinger, the, the film, rather than the character, that... I was sat thinking the other day about what are the iconic scenes, or the iconic images more than scenes, because I would argue the, the train scene from Russia with Love is certainly iconic, but still shots from the first couple of films, and there really aren't any.
0: We have got Sean Connery strapped to the table. During the yes, but evening. I'm saying as we get to
2: Goldfinger, suddenly there are so many iconic shots. You You think of him... Looking at his watch and uh, you know having just lit a cigarette as the explosion goes up behind him in the pre-title sequence.
0: Definitely in the white tuxedo
2: too. White tuxedo. we you've got him strapped to the table. Certainly, I think that was the point at which it occurred to me. Um, you've that's you've got one. him you know you've got him hilariously raping <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> on, a, on yeah? a black
2: man. But no, the, you do see a lot of still scenes from that scene. Odd job with the you know the hat and so on. Hats. Yeah,
0: that's iconic.
2: This has a visual. A lot of sort of visual shorthand in it that, that people carry with them that the first two films didn't have to the same degree.
0: No, definitely. There is that kind of. All you have to see is that clip of like Goldfinger pointing to his head and, you know, a whisking his hat, then you hear that whish sound mm-hmm. and you automatically know as well. And also the, um, the Aston Martin DB5, the ejector seat. And you hear is like, whish, and you're like oh, okay. So you, go, you instantly know what that must as well. be joking. I never joke about my work. 007. It's stony, faith, stony seriousness.
2: So, you've hit on that then, Becca. Then, um, what Guy Hamilton brought to the series? Well, he certainly brought a lighter touch. I think. Yeah, more comedy. That needed as well, to I be think. that needed to be kept in check. I think we see as with Lewis Gilbert, reasonably good, a reasonably good sensibility start to run amok as it goes along.
0: Yeah, you've got the balance but, of kind of humour and drama as well.
2: But he changed the the he, he set in stone the. Bond-Q relationship.
0: Yes. That's the one. Yeah, I think that's another integral kind of part, isn't it, to the series. This is the proper, the first proper Q scene we get because we don't really see too much of it, obviously, in Doctor No. Um, Yeah, again, not very much at all in From A Show of Love and now this is the first proper meaty Q
1: scene. It's interesting to, like, watching the the feature, like, uh, the act, the actor who played old oh Des, who plays Q, uh, he said he was saying on the uh, special features how like originally he was gonna play it like uh, he was ad- like admiration double sound because that's what everyone would be. It's like oh he's James Bond, of course everyone would be like him, But he's like no, no, you you actually hate him because he always destroys your gadgets. Yeah, know, <laughs> yeah, you make up, true. so it's like, so like so it's so what uh, that's what Guy Hamilton brought was that relationship of. Of like Q just being constantly tired, of, of, of of Bond destroying his gadget skin room, so oh, you know, so so that that whole thing of grow up double double o seven,
0: mm. yeah, so it bring it back in Derek one piece, boy.
1: yeah. <laughs> but he's but he, he, but even like little references to like from Russia we love like the, um you know you don't you know, really see it, but like um, when Connery mentions like. Oh, uh, my Attachie uh, briefcase. oh, yeah, it uh, exploded when we were examining it, <laughs> kind of thing, so it's like, oh, okay, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, what a pity. Yeah. Um, so, there are, like, little references to, like, what's gone on before, and um, so, yeah, what what do we think of golfing as a villain? Um, he seemed to be a lot more, like uh the villains in the in the books as far I mean I, I say that as someone who doesn't who hasn't read a book but for what I understand the books Ever. to be No um yes I'm a I'm a bad Bond fan. Bad <sighs> Bond fan. I'm just rubbish at reading. But um but for what I understand that the 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 villains in the Bond books are, he's more akin to those ones rather than the um the ones in technically in the film series really. You know, he's kind of He's big. He's he's a little bit brash, yeah, brashish. He's you know he's 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 petty because he hates losing. that's like greedy as
0: well, isn't it? He well, yeah, essentially,
1: well, yeah, um, yeah. Well,
2: yeah. He's a he's a bit of a. I mean, I, I don't actually see a huge disconnect between the books and the films in terms of the way villains are portrayed. I mean, in individual examples, yes, because the the films depict none of the films have depicted, depicted Blofeld in any way similar to the books. No. Um Le Chiffre is is very differently described in the books. Drax but is very still... different as well. Oh yes. Let me
0: make a Well the Drax because in the books is completely different. So
2: for larger than life characters, we've often got physical deformities. They're foreign as well. Always quite sadistic, quite often a bit sadistic. I mean I don't know that there's a massive disconnect. In terms of Goldfinger as a villain I think it's one of the great sort of almost taboo, taboo things of this series that I don't actually think it has many great villains. I mean, they, they they big up a villain every couple of years when a Bond film comes out, but we haven't had many greats. I, th- I think we'll get to it when we get to the sort of the, the, the films with Blofeld in. I mean, it's a great idea, kind of fluffed in execution most times. Um, Doctor No, you know we 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 watched him eat a bit of dinner and crush a crush a an ornament. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's lovely. I mean, and you know, from Russia we love our great. Hen- I mean, it's, the series has had a lot of great henchmen over the years, and the this film so has much. absolutely one of the best. But Goldfinger actually stands out from a fairly mediocre crowd to me.
0: It's kind of it's quite normal. Well, I say normal in terms of, you're talking about like Bond villains tend to have. Like disfigurements and that sort of thing, obviously, like Blofeld with his scar or however you want to portray him. Mm. Um, Dr. No with his kind of no hands. Um, but yeah, sort of like Goldfinger. I mean, they say, like, in the film, obviously, he's he's British, but obviously, he doesn't sound like it. He's with the German ab- accent dubbed by um, Michael Collins. Um, but at the same time, I think he's not, he doesn't have some sort of like physical deformity or other than because perhaps of his like foreign.
2: He's a bit overweight, his, that's all.
0: Well, yeah, that's it. He's, he's a bit yeah. of a greedy, greedy pig. Um, yeah. But
1: it's very cartoony, me even down to the fact that when uh, towards the end, where he, like he strips off, like in a, in like in the colonel's uniform, just like all of a sudden, like it's like a Velcro thing, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's got a gold pistol as well. <laughs> <laughs> he does That's
0: wear it.
2: gold in, in every scene as well. He's playing in as golden
0: heart. Yeah, he does wear lots of like mustard yeah. yellows and I, creams and gold. and. He's, like, I've always kind
2: of liked goldfing, Goldfinger as a villain simply because. He kind of has a screen presence that that's lacking from a lot of them, and we'll get to them later in the series because I think I think there's a fairly downward trajectory through this series actually of of, of, of villains with some notable exceptions. Quite, but he's quite
0: imposing as well, like physically imposing. He's
2: imposing. He's He's, kind he's, of, imposing, um, yeah. he's, humor, he's relatively humourless without being dour. Um, he's a little bit smug. I mean, when when Connery actually when Connery's Bond. Um, Unveil, you know, gets to what his actual plan is. He does look extremely pleased. He's pleased with
0: himself, doesn't he? Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he 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 comes along with a with a terrific henchman, and there's a lot of visual iconography that goes with him, like the laser, like the Rolls Royce, and uh, yeah, I do think he's a highlight of the series. I really do.
0: It's quite an ingenious plan, though, isn't it? It's obviously he doesn't want to steal the gold, but he just wants to irradiate it for thousands and thousands of years. And
2: it was a fault in the book.
0: Yeah, it's like the, the,
2: the they do rob Fort Knox. Oh, well, that's they do. the idea. That's and, the plan. Yeah, the filmmakers were like, "That doesn't work."
0: I like, yeah, we can't do that. That doesn't happen in real life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that actually, it's, it's an idea that the the film actually improves on. It's just like
0: sure. Well, like in the mid mid sixties, there sixty four, you kind of got the threat of kind of nuclear attack as well, haven't you? So it kind of it does fit cool. in as we explained last week with a lot of the political um, and social tensions that were going on at the time.
1: Mm. I will say this, you know, when he's like explaining his like Operation Grand Slam to all, to, to all the gangsters who uh, he, he wants to include, but the, but the plan is to kill them anyway. I don't understand <laughs> why he bothered. I really <laughs> don't.
0: That's like makes and no the whole it's thing of like
1: total exposition for yeah. all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've got a plan, but made you all horribly anyway.
1: Never it's, mind. it's like oh, I want to demonstrate. here's, here's the a poison gas? We're going to kill you all with right now. It's like I, I don't understand why. And why does he
2: take Mister Solo out?
1: Exactly. Why do you say okay? Well, just leave him there. Just gonna say, crush oh, him I'll anyway. Watch the rest it's...
2: of the presentation. Have a bite to eat, and just kill him.
1: Well, does it to go that far? Just like, hey, gentlemen, just I'll be a rude sec. Just like you know, wait in this room. Coo, coo, coo. Right, done. <laughs> like you know, is it. But yeah, the only thought would be like, it's just golfing is just like a an exhibitionist. He's like, well, I'm gonna explain everything because I just like to do it really. And he could have done that. Had. on a black,
2: <laughs> He could have done that on a blackboard rather than getting like, you know
0: The amount of money that say,
1: must model maker
0: must cost it
2: exciting, that but,
0: as well and it wouldn't be half as exciting as if you had revolving um revolving well, I don't know door whatever it was he had and the pool table that splits in, in half and a great big model of Fort Knox rises up and think, actually, I mean for but,
1: someone who likes money does fucking like spending in it, doesn't he? <laughs> Unnecessarily. <laughs> Very, wealthy.
0: Very wealthy, you know. Obviously he's got his car that he smuggles the gold in and just oh. Very wealthy person.
1: But but I'm I'm, I'm just wonder how many presentations that is actually done. (laughs) It's like, was that that the third one that day?
0: (laughs) It's a schedule, you know.
2: I do think this is the first properly... Well, no, I mean, Doctor No was beautiful, but that was largely location as opposed to, you know, any sort of cinematography. I think this film is properly beautiful most of the way through. I mean, particularly the stuff in Switzerland and so on, where he's... Was was Switzerland, wasn't it, where he's following Goldfinger? Yes, and where he pulls over, where he uh, sort of has, where he meets Tanya. No, Tilly. Sorry, and where he meets Tilly, and um, yeah, I mean it, it. It is a huge budget budgetary rise from last week. Not as big as budgetary rises to come, but this film costs the same as the first two combined. Um, so it's about, it's up to three million now, and that that's starting to become blockbuster budget budget of its day
0: they tend to get more and more expensive as they go along don't they i think
2: uh, they they really do i mean the, the big leap is is going to come relatively soon in this series but we, we this is now regarded as a fairly big budget film and you know most of it is on the screen in that they, they travel around a little bit more in this one there's a bit more locations um and it is you know because the money wasn't going into connery's pocket we will we will sort of um Get back to sort of Connery and his beefs over money towards the end of his run, but um, you know, as you go as you go through, say Daniel Craig or Pierce Brosnan's runs, the films are getting more expensive because the leading man's getting more expensive as well, and that that really wasn't the case at this stage of Connery's career. And it pays off as well because I mean, this film huge raise intake at, at the the back end. This, this film took one hundred and twenty five million dollars at the worldwide box office, and it it was just huge. Um, and for this couple of years, you've, you know, Batman joins the sort of the Beatles as one of the, the hallmarks of the sixties, and this film would be in a sixties time capsule. If you were burying a time capsule, one of your films would would probably be Goldfinger.
1: Most definitely. So, would you say this is Connery's best performance as Bond?
2: I was thinking about that a lot this time as I watched it, and and. Um, there's bits from other performances I like. I mean, I talked about the scene with um, Titania in the in the in the last film, and I, uh, you know, and there's there's a couple of scenes next week when we get to Thunderball that are actually kind of echoed in the Craig era that I really like. But there was just something about his borderline arrogance at the start of this film that I really really like, where he just wanders into Goldfinger's suite, introduces himself while not even really looking it. Um, (laughs) hang on, what's her name? Jill, sorry, I'll say that again yes, I mean he wanders into Goldfinger's suite Uh, that's Mr Goldfinger's suite yes I know and he just wanders in in he just
1: just grabs the key off the
2: yeah, just grabs the key walks (laughs) in, without even looking at her who are you? Bond, James Bond and then he just sort of goes uh, onto the uh, tannoy, not the tannoy but the relay to Goldfinger's earpiece and he's going (laughs) Ah, let's be generous, fifteen, and then he just basically shags Jill, and at that just compl-
1: but does, does he? Sh- is that does he shag it in the same place?
2: <laughs> no, he goes back to his suite. I'll, oh, okay, no, i good.
1: His because that that would be particularly bold as well. <laughs> just like <laughs> not only that, I'm actually going to stay at your place. No, no, he, did, he didn't like. In your hotel you know,
2: room? He, he didn't basically leave, you know, Goldfinger a nice wet patch or anything. A golden patch. I have sort of like looked out for this and I can't tell you what the line that gives it away is, but certainly. Oh, doesn't he? When he calls for Felix and he says it's Bond in suite, whatever. But yeah, he, they're back at Bond suite.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, room 682 or whatever it is. So. Mm. They can tell
2: us a swap as well. That would have been even more arrogant, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean Connery's in, in, in shape. He's he's noticeably filled out from Doctor No, but it's it's a fit filled out. Yeah, he it's
0: quite kind of, like, muscly. I think, yeah. isn't
2: it? Is yeah, yeah, it seems to be. Um, the wig is quite obvious when you see this on the. Big yeah, side.
0: that's it's the, main the thing first I slightly
2: do. dodgy wig. It reminds me of um, Shatner's wig in the original Star <laughs> Trek series. It's got that kind of like. Quiff at the front a little oh. bit, but I mean he still looks terrific. he's fully inhabiting the inhabiting the role, and uh, you know he's i'm james Bond what are you gonna do about it, <laughs> it it's it's just a it's just a freedom in the role that, that really
0: grown into it, as you i say. don't
2: think he he had before
1: mm. and I, I will say um one of the things that uh, I've always noticed about Bond so far and his in economy's performance is. His reaction to whenever, like, a female d- dies, which happens actually quite a lot in this, <laughs> um, yeah. But he, you know, it's he, like he, he feels it. In, even just at the beginning with Jill, who gets painted in gold, he sort of like you can see that he makes it like a bit of a personal vendetta. It's like, well, that's unnecessary. I'm gonna. Uh... I'm gonna her death. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but that's that's a trope with Bond himself, anyway. Well, it's a trope in all double O's. event. I actually event.
2: found that hilarious. I mean, he, he he was kind of to blame because basically he's yeah. just
0: yeah yeah he's, he's, <laughs> he's
2: basically walking. whipped out his cock and slapped fucking goldfinger across the face with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> at the same time, it rem- reminds me of a Harry Enfield sketch called "The Playboys." It's worth looking up. I mean, that's more playing on like the Persuaders and Jason Queen and stuff, uh, Jason King and stuff like that. Sorry, the character's called Jason Queen in the um, mistake. <laughs> But it is like, he meets this woman, she's shot instantly, and it's like, it was personal now. And it's, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you loved her. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I remember that.
2: You, remember you loved that? her, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> and it's, um, we might put a YouTube clip of something in the show notes. Um, so was, I found it quite funny when he's in Goldfinger, he's back in M's office. So he's flown all the way home from Miami Beach, which, you know, in that day and age would have taken a while. So, he, you know, he's back in the office Still quietly seething, and, and M's warning him not to make it a personal vendetta. And yes, I know it's someone he's just slept with who's been killed, and it's kind of his fault. But at the same time, it's like, really?
0: Personal? <laughs> you think? Well, it, he was think, probably yeah, with her for I, about I an think, hour and a half.
1: Yeah, but I think he probably would take it a bit personally, because I think there's always that sort of thing in the back of your head of that, uh, well, you're kind of responsible. You know, she died on your watch kind of yeah, it's thing.
0: it's conscience really, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's that kind of... You know, and, and this is kind of an unjust, because like you know, he thought, well, she didn't need to die. You know, and this kind of, kind of thing. Or if you, if you wanted revenge, why don't you just kill me? You know, kind of. So if I think I the, think the, Bond always does. He would play
2: on his arrogance more. Yeah, a bit like Craig getting Solange killed.
1: Yeah, but I think that's I think that's generally what it is. I, but I think it is based on the on something that we all you have a I meaning when like it, her sister dies. It's kind of like this. It's like well, the, the two sisters died because of golfing it Now you know, so he's, he's still there. You know, he's, he really wants to. He wants to get him. To get him, man. Well, Bond
2: is actually staggeringly ineffective in this film.
0: I was just thinking that you were talking about like if, if it's Connery's best performance, and in terms of um, you know, like Bond being a spy, he doesn't. He's not the agent of very much in this film. It has like he gets captured twice. It's um, more gets, things happen to him rather than he. He gets
2: the first woman killed completely unnecessarily. Yeah. Tips Goldfinger off to who he is very easily.
0: And, and then Tilly. Um,
2: <laughs> basically, fucking rubs his nose in it on the golf course to piss him off even more.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but that was his mission, though, wasn't America. it? That was not his mission, though, to kind of just w- w- win the game, kind of thing. Well, was it was to reveal that, that he to...
0: cheats at, at, at golf, and mm. you know, revealing to. But, you know how much more he gets in his gold. So,
1: I
2: mean, he does spend a bit, a fair bit of the film locked up. I mean, st- structurally, there's quite a lot wrong with this film in terms of the sort of dynamic between sort of hero and villain and who bests who when and and everything else. I,
1: I but... don't know because it kind of, you know, it's it makes it more of a challenge. Like Bond tries to escape and and that doesn't work, and he he tries something else and that doesn't work. So it just kind of like it 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 kind of helps with the the drama kind of like. To kind of try and top Goldfinger, basically.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a battle of wits, really, isn't it? Rather than like a physical standoff. I mean, they both try to best each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both—they both, um, both like gambling. And they both obviously have a penchant for women. So it's a, basically it's kind of one-upmanship, pretty much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the film where Bond li- initially turns a lesbian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, essentially, pretty much.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, do you know? Did anyone find it a little bit uneasy that 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 rolling in the hay you scene know. with?
0: Like, I cringe every single time I've seen that film so many times. It still. You've got
2: to weird kind weird. of record it in your mind that the filmmakers yeah. are going for playful.
0: <laughs> <I don't
2: laughs> but it is, frankly, That's it, it plays like rape.
1: It it, it actually does. It, it it really actually. I mean, I mean they don't really sort of oh. bang bang the lesbian <laughs> drum too hard, but it's there. I mean, it's, 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 it's in the you books.
0: You have, to, you have to gloss over it a little bit.
1: Well, you know, I mean, they they, they don't like sort of like shout it from the rooftop, but you know, it, it's there. It's yeah, there. In, it, yeah, in, it's in the book it's,
0: kind of, it's a lot more obvious.
1: Yeah,
0: whereas uh, in the so much. It's kind of like very thinly veiled. You know, you turn off the charm. I'm immune type. Mm. You know, thing. Mm. And you think, oh, okay. And then obviously by the end of it, and she she's a, side, and she's to the it? other side, and, so. and
1: and she turns off golfing his charms. I mean, phew, you know. Gob gob eager. Well, sc- <laughs> sc-
2: scop, well you, you're suggesting anyone who doesn't want to have, have sex with Gert Frobes probably into women.
1: <laughs> well, you
0: know. <laughs> you know, she's obviously in it for the money, <laughs> Miss Galore. So
2: yeah, it, it is. But, uh, and, but the and, funny and, thing is, I I think there is a there is a bond. We'll get to who's who who around women makes my flesh crawl more, and pun not intended. <laughs>
0: I think I know um, what
2: you mean. But the, the the two scenes in this whole series, if you like, that I'm most uncomfortable with are Connery's. One's this week, one's next week. Um, this one, this one is a bit dodgy. But I, I don't really think it's what the filmmakers were going for. They were not trying to imply to us that he's going to rape
0: her into being straight.
1: Yeah, they were trying to imply that the sexual tension's there, and she was like, she's trying to fight it.
0: Yeah, she was trying to resist yeah, it. Yeah, it's was like, like... no, you know.
1: Yeah, but watch it now, it's like, if he does come on strong to her. <laughs> it's
0: exactly. Just... Well, they, well, they mention this in, as I say, we'll talk about it next week, but in Thunderball as well, when he's trying to seduce Fiona. And he's like, oh, James Bond, you know, the woman usually gets turned on by his charms, and all of a sudden, she hears Heavenly Choir singing, and she's like, oh, no, I won't do that, Rora. So it's quite a different dynamic there as well, but yeah. Oh, I love next week. Oh, there section. is a
2: brilliant exchange with Connery next week. Actually, the scene I've got a problem with though is uh, is at the health farm, but we'll we'll come on to that next week.
1: Oh no! Oh dear! <laughs> uh, yeah, the
0: other one, the other sort of cringe the really scene is obviously Dink, where he's like, "Oh, um, was it Dink? Say hello to Felix. Felix, say goodbye to Dink. Man talk, slap." And you think, "Oh, geez. <laughs> And You just think, "Oh, I mean, obviously, sexism is something that Bond is known for, and it was the '60s, so you kind of got like." You know, women's limbs probably twenty years away, and you just think, oh, dear, but I just, I just cringe.
2: I, I, um, oh, I think it's not quite... twenty years away in nineteen
0: sixty-four. Well, no, no, sorry, I was like in America, like the eighties, like seventies and eighties, maybe. I, I of, like, just,
2: before, I, I, I do wonder. I, I often watch that scene, and again, some of these films, well, they're all products of their time, but
0: yeah, yeah, that's there are
2: it. certainly things in these films where you think, I, I've almost got to try to be in the mindset of the audiences at the time and again next week is another example of that yeah. but i do wonder I, I do watch this and wonder if this was almost tongue-in-cheek as well yeah uh, i think I, it, has to, it
0: has to be a little bit I, I, I just think just
2: as, as late as 1964 i'm talking about this sort of complete arrogance connery's bond's got in this style this film but it's actually really charming if they're almost playing up to the limits of that, and it's a playful well, thing. Well, I
0: think yeah, they I think do they...
1: because even when it like with the introduction of Pussy Galore, it's like my, my name is Pussy Galore. He's like he 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 pretty much looks at the camera, waits, like I must be dreaming. <laughs> yeah, kinda, that's like, like it's like it's like a little acknowledgement of of like Bond himself, like of saying yeah. this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. um... But again, I that that play scene, like, I, 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 what one of the things I did pick up on was like little nod of like making a point about the bullet uh, being like sort of, she, like, sort of break, break the window, the script, but oh, it actually yeah. reflects later on. I thought, yeah. oh, god crap, yeah, yeah. Why yeah. did I not pick up on that before? But yeah, there's a lot of sort of things that sort of heart back make sense like later on. I thought, oh, okay, it's actually quite a, a smart script, really.
2: The suit he puts on is just a little thing that occurred to me watching. Casino Royale years later at the um at the end of Casino royale the suit the blue suit that Craig is wearing when he in- uh, introduces himself to Mr. White and uses the line for the first time that is a blue version of the suit that Connery's wearing at the stud farm
0: mm-hmm.
2: it, It's a deliberate copy of the well, same thanks. suit just in a different color because I don't think Connery looks great in this film he he looks fit yeah he's the right age in the role. He's he's really you know.
1: Don't notice a bit of grey in his hair or wig or whatever you want to call. it. <laughs> but there was like a little bit of a grey sheen, like so he's starting to age just a little bit. But it looks look good. Yeah, Connery o- really almost great. like a George Clooney kind of like. Yeah, because yeah. because
2: Connery, Connery looks great right late into his career, but as as Bondi, he aged strangely badly. I mean, yeah, it's if you know, it's in nineteen seventy one. You cannot. Yeah, look, he looks really what old. Years have done to a guy. Um, but, you know, this week, next week, we've got an even dodgier wig. But this week and <laughs> next week, Connery's probably Perry. at his peak physically in this role. And by this point, Sean, Sean Connery himself is like 34, 35 in the next couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, just just absolutely perfect for the role. Of course, we've got the first sort of fairly big star, I'd have said, this week. We've got uh, Anna Blackman, who was... Uh, big news on TV with the Avengers.
1: Oh crap! Yeah,
2: and oh. her run in the Avengers sort of ran right up to filming this. So, so
1: yeah. So what, what, did she quit the Avengers to get to do Bond?
2: She made some comments on the on the special features about she'd done her two years on the Avengers. Ah, oh, so contract was off four. I I don't. I just got the impression she. I got the impression, and it is purely interpretation. Mm that she was just happy to have done a couple of years, wanted to do something else, was... uh, Move on to
1: the upper hand. Oh. (laughs) Sorry? (laughs) Say, the the upper hand, the...
0: uh... She did a series much later, yeah, called The Upper Hand.
2: Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah, Anna Blackman's 90
0: now. Yeah, well, she still looks glamorous, though. She's still got it.
2: She did age very, very well. Um...
0: She's kind of like the opposite of Connery. I mean, poor guy. I mean, he's like 85. And, you know, he's he does of, not look
1: good now. He's, he's very
0: frail, bless him. But you know, conversely, on a black man, I met her at a signing very briefly uh, a few years ago now, and still glamorous.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, I think she was the old, I think I'm right in saying she's the oldest uh, Bond girl until the forthcoming
0: Spectre. Mm, Thir- yeah, of Thir-
2: the Thir- was released, and I think I think I'm right. Somebody will correct me. I'm sure, but I think that was the oldest Bond girl until we get Monica Bellucci, late uh, inspector.
0: That sounds about right to me. But yeah, listeners, if you know better, let us know.
2: I can't think there was anyone older. There was there was a few in their late thirties. I mean, uh, did I think I'm, yeah. I mean, Grace Jones would have been about thirty seven or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah she did look old. I mean, not that like thirty seven or forties old or anything. But she doesn't look
2: human. How can you guess? <laughs> She's
0: an Amazon woman. <laughs> I'm convinced she's an Amazon. Just carved
2: woman. out of a tree.
0: Yeah, she's. Don't mess with her. Uh,
2: she could still kick our ass now. She's about 67, and she's. <laughs> she's still she's got good it. Well, but. Um... You
0: kick your ass anyway. Um, yeah, Goldfinger, moving on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Goldfinger. Odd job. <laughs> yeah, odd job. Henchman,
0: yeah. Odd job.
1: Do you not think it mean, for he's probably out of all the henchmen the most loyal? I mean, he's willing to literally fucking die for his boss. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> much say on, about it, does he? Unconditionally.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I think he's the first iconic henchman. Why well, is he the first iconic henchman? <laughs> Would we count Red Grant and Rosa Club?
0: It's, it's, it's the same with the villains. They've got to have something about them, haven't they? I mean, Red Grant's got his... You know, the fact that he's a kind of trained psycho killer. Um, Rosa Club with their poison tip shoes. And or job with his... Steel room to bowl a hat, so it's just I, a hat. I iconic definitely but there is but he's know, also something. like
1: the probably the first of the indestructible no I've seen that indestructible because you know he dies, but um <laughs> but you know like, <laughs> but you cannot
2: ball. imagine how bond would best him physically
1: it's like yeah literally like he throws like a go bomb and just bounces off him it's like
0: yeah sure,
1: and, you don't and, and can crush a golf ball, which is just impossible
0: yeah with one hand that's incredible
2: uh it's impossible because it's just basically full of rubber bands isn't it oh, yeah God, pretty much God.
0: that's it so yeah if he can do
2: um, <laughs> but yeah I mean I, I still think now if you named if someone said to you named three Bond henchmen he'd be one of those three
0: yeah yeah definitely what, 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 what,
1: what would be the other two Jaws and knack. yeah I'd
0: say the same <sighs> that's, that's we well, have our Jaws and
1: I mean Jaws you're okay but knack.
0: I mean you've yeah, got like Fantasy Island as well which is like a major series in the 70's you know it's great <laughs>
2: I think I would certainly say knick-knack. I, I, I'm less sure of that than the other two. So <laughs> well, was
0: an odd job, but sure, probably the two that you Like, if you'd ask the man on the street, he doesn't... Oh, certainly
2: if it was two, it would be odd job. Because
0: you one fan, so...
2: Um, Jaws helped by the fact that he appeared twice as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and fell in love in space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, <laughs>
2: And when he finally spoke, it was uh, it enriched all our lives.
0: <laughs> it's a wonderful moment.
1: Oh I oh, P Richard Keel. Richard
2: Keel did not die that long ago. It's within the last year or so. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's very recently,
2: poor
1: guy. Mm. Yeah, and what a lovely fellow it seems to be as well.
2: It sucks being Roger Moore at the moment, just because I don't know. Roger Moore is just uh, you know if you go and follow his Twitter feed or something, he's just it's constant condolences to old friends, actors. People he's worked with, you know,
0: yeah, very sad. Sad you know,
2: you just get to that age and he's losing a lot of the people that, that meant something to him.
0: Um, that's very sad. Who did we
2: lose recently? Of the, oh, Christopher Lee, Christopher.
0: yeah,
2: oh.
0: oh, He's he's touched the lives of so many people. I mean, people talk about six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but actually, Christopher Lee was the most connected actor ever
2: that's because he appeared in every film ever made he
0: was a gold, was gold finger but you don't know it yeah he was all Bambi's mum <laughs> definitely
2: yeah Christopher Christopher Lee had well over 200 feature film credits
0: mm, incredible
2: um, and was a spy and was a spy and
0: was a spy yes, and the war hero and was
2: Ian Fleming's cousin yeah
1: yeah
0: <laughs>
2: um and i think he was he's related to tolkien somehow as well
0: yeah it's incredible i just think
2: if you look in the background of every photograph you've got christopher lee's there somewhere
0: he'll be there lurking <laughs> yeah
2: he's in he's in all the wedding photos everyone ever has done he touched
0: the lives of everybody
2: but yeah you know it's uh we're obviously a lot of these films are, are getting very very old now um less so roger moore's era obviously but um you know, we've some of these people have been gone for decades. Um, talking of which, first change of Felix, first recasting in the series that I can think of, with the exception of Major Boothroyd, but we didn't really know him as Q in the first episode, so we've got a different Felix this year. Yeah,
1: and completely unrememberable as <laughs> well. It's like, no, it's, um, oh, it's just yeah, any it's guy. Amazing. He just looks Guy the Hat,
0: yeah. Dude in a suit.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he basically sits outside Kentucky Fried Chicken most of the time. Try and tax Bond. Oh, no, it's
1: not Bond.
2: Cease Linda was the... Ta- talking about this having a much more um, comfortable budget, but Cease Linda was the only major actor to film in America.
0: Yeah, that's interesting as well. Um, I think Connery was making... Oh, Marnie with Hitchcock at the time as well.
2: Yeah. So all of those scenes that are in beautiful sunshine on the Kentucky stud farm, by Pinewood. Oh.
0: No, but you wouldn't know unless you listen to you the, the track. You wouldn't yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's has,
1: it, 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 it seems to kind of like nail this kind of golden sheen to it as well. If, if you know what I mean, it kind of looks like a golden film.
0: It does. Yeah, a gold thing. a aura about it. As mm. about
1: it's it. just, just I think you know. I think the '60s
2: have this kind of timeless, well, time capsule quality to them. That just survive. They just survive all changes in, in sort of fashion. They survive, I think as well, they had, I mean, I'm not an expert on film stocks, but certainly a, a well-restored 60s film looks better than anything from the 80s. And I do wonder how much of that was the quality of the film stock they were using.
0: I'd and probably Gold, have to agree Gold there as was, well. Sorry? i say I'd have to agree with you there. I just remember seeing, like for example, like from my show for the first time on Blu-ray, and it kind of been restored and the rest of it, and thinking, this looks like new, this could have been made today like as a period piece. And I was like, oh, I was just so shocked by it. And
1: you I need, I need to get the Bond series on Blu-ray right, at some point.
0: Yeah, you do. Yeah. Some, some yeah. are fare better than others, but generally the 60s ones are quite good, I guess.
2: I mean, really, the, uh, it's certainly something we'll t- I'd like to talk about when we get to sort of Majesties and Diamonds Are Forever, that 60s Bond is, is something all of its own. And funnily enough, that is reflected in the restorations because... All of the films look fantastic till you get to Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like, I mean, Diamonds Are Forever is an ugly film anyway.
0: It's like but, a backward step, isn't it, really?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's ugly because it, it's Vegas long before Vegas was even remotely cool. And, um, but you get through Majesties, they're all absolutely gorgeous. To varying degrees, but they are all really, really beautiful. And they never, they don't recapture that sort of quality of look until the last decade, really.
1: What are you saying Brosnan dropped the ball? <gasps>
2: no, not at all. Oh. I just don't, I don't necessarily think, I don't necessarily his think. Well, I think one of his films is absolutely hideously ugly, but that's, <laughs> that's not his fault. That's, that's direction. Which ed- one's
1: that? Is that, I want to say that's GoldenEye.
2: No, it's Die Another Day, because Die Another Day just looks... Oh, yeah, well, it's fake. Yeah, it
0: just just looks very fake.
2: GoldenEye betrays a small budget, that's all. I mean, again, it's it's still vastly more expensive than any Bond film to that point, but by the sort of standards of film being made at that time, it it was relatively um, inexpensive. I think... I don't think Brosnan's Era is a particularly... I don't think Tomorrow Never Dies is a particularly good-looking film, and I think The World Is Not Enough isn't a particularly good-looking film either but none of them are a reflection on the films themselves or him. Um, I think John Glenn, a lot of the 80s films, had a very sort of flat visual style. I just think the Bond, the, the Bond films just look fantastic in the 60s and never really recover that again. No, but you've the now, sort of now, now they've have got suddenly you? huge budgets again with terrific cinematographers getting involved. The talent level's been upped. It's as simple as that.
0: I think that, yeah, you can see where the money's being spent, obviously, like, in the talent um, the cast and the crew and that as well. But also, yeah, you kind of got, like, the the film stock and the fashion and you can see everything, you know, the money shots are there up on, on the screen, whereas mm. perhaps in the 80s, things are cut starting to get a bit more pared back. and Especially with um, Tim Dalton's two movies as well, things kind of more sort of taken aback and take a back seat. So perhaps style is
2: yeah.
0: perhaps forgotten a little bit in favour of action. And-
2: Although I do think *License to Kill is a, a, a good-looking film, but that's largely, again... Location and color palette. That, yeah, that's not, that's not great cinematography. It's a bit of a TV film, really. But the
0: location's uh, got to do with it as well.
2: So. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, really, it, it's a bit Bond at the moment, and and who knows whether this will last. But Bond now is is reminds me of the sort of journey comic book films have gone through, in that comic book films now can attract a Christopher Nolan, you know, um, and you wouldn't rule out very, very high-quality directors for for gigs, people that have won Oscars and so on. You go back 20 or 30 years, and by and large, that wasn't the case. There would be the odd exception. Um, and I think the same is true of Bond films. If you go back to the 80s, they tended to promote with from within. I mean, John Glenn, Glenn who directed five films, first appeared as an editor on Majesties. So I, I think now there is a cachet to the Bond series that they can attract serious talent. So yeah. you had Roger Deakins, who was the you know the, the, the Coen's brothers' sort of DP of choice. And Cohen brothers' films are largely beautiful. Um, doing Skyfall, you've got uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema doing Spectre, who, who um, was... Uh, he did it to Stella, didn't he? He did it to Stella. He did, is, yes, Stella. So. Yeah. so, you know, and whether you like or hate Sam Mendes or feel indifferent to him... He is—he's an Oscar-winning film director, so I think we t- we'll talk later in the series about sort of when the golden ages of Bond are. But certainly, this early period just has a look that is partly born of it being from the '60s, but I think it's just—it's just made with a bit more love and care than we get late later.
0: Yeah, we didn't see that again, really, do we? we can't—it encapsulates it all of its own.
2: Yeah, uh, it's funny. I, someone was telling me the, a few days ago that that he felt Moonraker was a really beautiful film to look at visit, you know, visually. And uh, I'll not be to watch. But... God, no, <laughs> Wait, watch it with the sound off, and you know, are Roger Moore removing spectacles and stuff.
1: That that but, that, uh, that, uh, that pigeon, that is, pigeon uh... like double taking is. But you know, so there, are, there, there are
2: possibly films from that era I will need to revisit.
0: I, know, I think Spy uh, Love Me looks
2: quite good as well. That's a good looking film. Uh, <laughs> the problem is with The Spy Who No,
1: well, no. The thing with The Spy Love Me,
2: though, is. is the greatest
1: movie ever made. <laughs> according to our Partridge, that is.
2: Yeah. Oh, God, we've got to cut that out God, we're
0: just publicists.
2: Um, <laughs> no, it's the fact that it, you talk about it being a pretty film. But there's a bit where he's walking through um, the desert with Triple X.
0: Well, apart from that. But.
2: And they play the music from um, Lawrence of Arabia, which is truly the most beautiful film ever made. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the... the
0: most beautiful scene in that film.
2: Because, um, oh, God. Yeah, but
1: in in um, in, in Remaker, they do uh, <laughs> uh, what, uh, oh, the film. Seven. Oh, yeah, they do that. Oh, they, they do... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah,
0: they do But they also the
1: do um, uh, uh, Close Encounters of the, fir- of the, of the First... So the
0: Kind, yeah, they do. Yeah, they... Uh, Ba, 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 ba. Well,
1: it's, a, it's, yeah, it's the key.
2: We're talking about the Bond era as prestige by that point. And yeah. Certainly yeah, sure. they follow the sort of thing of the day. I mean they still do it now to a degree. Casino Royale's parkour sequence was well, parkour was popular at the time. Yeah, but um but certainly at this stage the, the film is, is not following as much as as it later does. We start to see it sort of really, I think, early in the Moore era. You you get to something like The Man with the Golden Gun. Kung Fu's really popular, so suddenly there's Roger Moore with his white belt, yeah. You know, <laughs> and it, 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 you know, and then the plots were were around sort of sort of real world events.
0: Whereas in the sixties, you kind of got the more setting setting the trends.
2: Yeah, I mean it. it it's it's an iconic part of the sixties for a reason, and it's not an iconic part of the sixties because it copied something else. By and large. Yeah.
1: Here's a little um, uh, pop fact for you. Um, awesome Wells was, was considered to be Goldfinger. Oh, really? Yeah, but apparently the um, his bands were too high. His financial, basically, he wanted he wanted like a lot of money. I've so, um, think it was a wise choice that he didn't do it. At all? Well, of
2: course, Goldfinger's... Uh, we're in another we're we're in another film deep into an era where virtually everyone's dubbed. Yeah. Um, both both. Uh, both masters and sisters are dubbed by the same person. Yeah, Anderson, and
1: so Azil See, I I think that's weird. Cause imagine if they do that, like to, if they still did that today, it'd be just been insane.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the last film I can think of where something like that happened, and the the only one that springs to mind is Tarzan, the Christopher Lambert Tarzan. Oh God! Have you ever seen that?
0: No,
2: but I can imagine. Ray okay. the Legend of Tarzan. It isn't Christopher Lambert who's dubbed it. Andy McDowell. Um, it's Andy McDowell. She's. Dubbed oh, really? By Glenn Close. She's, she's dubbed by Glenn Close. Yeah. <gasps> Never
0: knew
2: that. Um, because she turned up on set with this sort of deep south troll, and they went, "Nope, that's not quite what we want." Um, but yeah, I mean, back in this era, Goldfinger himself is dubbed. Um, and in fact, if you watch one of the earlier trailers when Bond is on the table, Goldfinger says two lines, and the second one is the, no, Mr. Bob, I expect you to die, and that's the dubbed voice, but the first one is his. And I, I think, as well, when Bond is under the little miniature of Fort Knox, and he's outlining his plan, you can hear Goldfinger's voice in the background, and that's Gertfroe. Yeah. Because apparently it
1: was, well... You know, he couldn't speak a word of English, so they had to basically get someone to dub him in. Uh, but the, you know, I know um, next week's uh, Thunderball villains are dubbed as well. Is it by the same guy as well?
2: Uh, what Michael Collins? What Largo's dubbed next week, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've got to look I that up. I think we've
0: got Fobo. I think didn't he speak some of his lines like phonetically because English um, wasn't that he great. Was told
2: so he was to, to say them phonetically and speak fast. Yeah, because obviously, if he was trying to understand what he was saying. Would, I
0: expect you to die. Uh, yeah, it would sound a bit strange, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah. Although, he, he did carry on. I have heard him with his real voice in, in things, and mm. uh, it's similar. It's just a bit lower.
0: Yeah, you've got more of the accent there as well. So. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's like a little bit more softly spoken. Sure. So, it would so it's, I wouldn't know how that would play as well. I think it works better with him being a little bit more forthright, a bit, a bit more like... A little bit more. Well, no, a little bit more forcey. You know, a little bit more sort of like you know, louder. Should we say? Mm. You know, uh,
2: Largo was voiced by um, Robert Rietti. Uh I'm I'm looking that up by the way. That's Cause, not. Cause that's he's, not he's
0: got oh, we lost him recently as well, didn't we?
2: Robert Rietti died in April. Yeah. Oh,
0: there's wow. Another one. Mm-hmm. April
2: 2015. He was in Never Seven, Never Say Never Again as the Italian minister. Oh. So, um, so he liked his football, Discuss at, that
0: when it comes to it.
2: Ah, I I thought I know that name. Where do I know it from? He's the voice of Blofeld in For Your Eyes Only.
1: Mhm. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh shit, it. yes. <laughs> Fucking yeah. hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shall buy you.
2: And he was, he <laughs> only, I shall buy
1: you an island.
0: No, oh, it was a
2: delicatessen in stainless steel.
0: stainless steel as he drops him down a pipe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I keep your hair on.
2: He's actually yeah, he's, a, he's also the voice I'm just looking here I'll, I'll stop looking in a minute because we need to do a separate uh, podcast for
0: this this is amazing He is
2: the, he is the voice of Tiger Tanaka
0: <gasps>
2: that He's also got a small part in Uncredited in Majesties uh, yeah it, he's got a hell of a filmography here mm-hmm. Um he was in Jesus of Nazareth in various small roles even <laughs> in the, Jesus <gasps> Yeah, he was Jesus, not <laughs> not Robert Powell. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so he he is dubbed. I know. I, I listened to uh, uh, an interview James Bond Radio did with Nikki Van a couple of weeks ago, and she did say they 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 pressured Gert Frobe to be too good too quickly. In as much as if they'd started him off with some of his smaller bits of dialogue, she felt he was his English was good enough. But, yeah. It's that's neither you know, nor there, really. I suppose we got what we got. We very nearly met him in a, a later film as well, because he was originally going to be in Diamonds Off Forever.
1: Yeah, as uh, his twin brother.
0: Is it, yeah, twin brother? So that was yeah. yeah it would have been very interesting.
1: I, I think I just would have made Diamonds Forever even shitter to be honest. With you. <laughs> it was
0: a rubbish idea I think. But mm.
2: Diamonds Off Forever is a definite attempt to read sort of redo Goldfinger anyway.
0: Yeah, uh, the plots do kind of follow each other around as well, sort of like. Maker and Spire Love Me are kind of like the same, but one's yeah. in space, one's underwater. So. We're, and we're
1: yeah, yeah you're only there twice, and Spire Love Me in the Space is the same plot. Yeah, they're pretty
0: much the same, aren't they?
1: They
2: are the same plot, aren't they? Same character
1: yeah. as well. So it was to Kills Goldfinger as well.
0: It yeah. is, plot recycling.
2: Yeah. We're onto the... on an interesting sort of um, cycle now, and it, it really hits next week and then the week after that the, this series does have a bit of a cycle of sort of bloat and purge doesn't it do,
1: do you think they'll ever recycle the old bomb plots again like you know think we'll get like basically Craig do from the ball
0: wouldn't be surprised
1: or, uh...
2: no but I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of said right what well, hasn't Craig done yet so I mean he's, he's been in a snow setting he's been in a casino we haven't seen him with a sort of aqualung on
0: no he'll be underwater next
2: yeah I do wonder if, if it is sort of this is it because there are certain tropes that most bonds do, but um I would be very surprised. I don't think they will remake Thunderball or Goldfinger. I, I don't see that.
1: No, I just wondered.
2: I mean, they will reuse plots. I mean, even when you get to uh, even when you get to Die Another Day, that's quite. That, uh, Gustav Graves is effectively the book version of Hugo Drax. Pretty much. Um, so there are elements that they haven't used or could use in a slightly different way but and you've got
0: all the, um, all the continuation novels as well which remain untapped
2: yeah I've read very few of those, I've read a couple of the Raymond Benson um, have you read many, Becker?
0: I've read all of them, but um, admittedly not not in a few years, In a few years time I shall reread them again um, which are the, yeah, which are the sort
2: reading. of highlights
0: oh, um yeah, I'm pro- I'm probably more a fan of um, Raymond Benson's novels, um, as much as I like John Gardner. Um, they are quite dated now. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, Raymond Benson probably is um, he's, he's like his main villain in books, a kind of like a sort of almost spectre esque um, organisation organization called The Union. Right.
2: Um, I read his first two. I read Zero Minus Ten and the hilariously badly titled The Facts of Death.
0: <laughs> it's just a really shit title. They will have you know increasingly how many titles but um yeah zero minus ten um zero
2: minus just, ten was based around the hang- <laughs> hand, hand hand back of hong kong I think. yeah that was
0: very really, really good very timely um i thoroughly enjoyed that one so yeah i can recommend that one probably yeah. the high point i think
2: yeah um did you ever re- so you've read colonel sun then because that gets talked about quite a lot
0: yeah, I've read that I need to reread that as well. So, okay. Yeah, what well. we could do, we could do like a separate episode about just like books, and I don't know if you'd like read a couple or just get a bit of pricey of of them, um, and do just like. Just read like the, the Wikipedia page. I'm sure. Yeah, It
1: can it, it could be an episode where you basically just tell me what happened.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, no, definitely.
1: A happened. Like a crash course and. Uh...
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah,
2: the bomb, bomb books for beginners. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Because
2: it'll, be, it'll, be, of... it'll, be, it'll,
0: be, it'll be good.
1: Because then I'll be like, "Oh, really? So what's that then?" And then you can like explain <laughs> it to me. Then we'll... I
2: can't remember. It's been years. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. read it. What to read?
0: What not to read? You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
2: Um, you can leave some of that conversation, in, Chris, I'm sure, that we've oh, just... yeah, sure oh
0: yeah,
2: sure, Oh yeah, I leave it. In but, um, yeah. Do so it, do yeah, it. going back to so going back to Goldfinger. As I say we've had all the stuff in Switzerland and and so on, and then we get to sort of America, although it largely isn't. Um. The ex, the ending always struck me as quite ambitious and quite expensive, and I find know, it
1: quite amusing. However, it just falls over. Shot at
2: Fort Knox, it seems to be shot. I know we live in a much more paranoid world now, but it seemed to be shot very low to the ground for the airplane <laughs> and things like that. And they ju- it just seemed to have an ambition to
1: it. I find it amusing how everyone just falls over. When they fly <laughs> the plane fire, everyone just instantly go don't even like look at it, go, What was that? Oh, no, it's literally like fall over. Oh, fall over. Mm. Fall over.
2: <laughs> Thankfully like... no one's driving at the time and has to like plough their car into a wall or something.
1: Yeah, dear.
2: Although sort of Felix's car's sort of in a ditch, isn't it? Sort of.
1: Of so self, so right. is it, was it fake gas that kind of knocks people out for like 10 minutes or was it... Well, they, they, I, think just, I think they switched well, the
0: canisters, wasn't they? I think well, we sort of complained earlier about um, Goldfinger's plan to gas the... Um,
1: so were they just the, pretending the to fall everything. over? They were just like, yeah, yeah. but...
0: They obviously switched the Delta-9 nerve gas to obviously lessen... And they all the, you know, all the arms to like just it. pretend.
2: <laughs> Basically, he convinced her in that barn. Yeah. was the whole point of seducing her. He turned her straight...
0: And he convinced her to switch the canisters? I
2: convinced her to switch the canisters and tell the CIA.
1: See, so he, he did get all rapey for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> a right, a, oh, God.
2: Are we, are we arguing it was a righteous rape? Yeah. Oh I'm
0: going to have no part in it. <laughs> uh,
2: leave it in, Chris. It's worth talking about. Well, well you know, I, know, know, I mean, let's wait. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean,. <laughs> as a rape <laughs> anyway but yeah basically that whole <laughs> uh, oh, god. that whole sequence was about oh. turning I'm,
1: I'm, 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 I'm just I'm just thinking like literally if you're faced with that like well I've got to do it it'll save billions I <laughs>
0: <laughs> think I do for my country that was awful is not it yeah <laughs> oh um, god
2: yeah we get a similar line next week you don't think I enjoyed that do you it was for Queen, you know, king for and, queen country. and Country I was just thinking, yeah, you don't think I enjoyed sex with the hot redhead, did you? <laughs> uh,
1: no, no, I think she's one of my favourite Bond henchwomen though. I think she's uh, oh, next week. Yeah, oh, next week. Absolutely.
0: She's quite sort of committed to the cause as well, isn't she? She's not, just, she's not easy, easily for turning, as it were.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: uh, actually, just, just before you actually, because obviously we're all going to sort of watch Thunderball Ready for next week, and those of you listening as well, um, some really interesting stunt work when she's on that bike. Because she goes through the bike and and suddenly her waist sort of shrinks about 15 inches. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's very, very different, clear, different it's very clearly a male stuntman.
0: <laughs> Incidentally, in, in Goldfinger, towards the end of it, when they have all the um, the, flying circus in flight, you can see when they disembark from the planes, a couple of the pilots are uh, men in wigs.
1: I've heard this, I've never noticed it.
0: Uh, I just spotted it, it um, on the Blu-ray it as well. I was like, hold on a minute, minute that's a bloke. <laughs>
1: Well it must be some close up from a plane, jeez. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> well no, just like literally when you see them all into land, I think it's before they do the main thing, and uh, you can see some of them come and you come think, yeah. that's a break in awake. Hold on a minute, what's going on here?
2: I, I actually find once thinking you
0: miss it, but it's quite funny if you spot it.
2: Once they're inside the vault, I actually find that sequence a bit disappointing. I quite like the way he finishes his odd job with the electric shock, which actually gave Harold Sakata badly burned hands.
0: Yeah, it, they kind of feel the the force of it as well. It looks, oh, he's, shopping, proper, he's properly burnt
2: there. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: and that's how committed he was. He was actually like burning, like and and he's like he, he didn't, he didn't he sort of, he in he was like yo, oh shit, you've actually hit yourself. Yeah, well, I kept to it. So he's a trooper, that guy. Mm, oh, definitely.
0: definitely, just yeah.
1: just like our job, willing for the greater good.
0: Definitely, <laughs> kudos to him.
2: But basically, Bond handcuffed to. A bomb. That always reminds me of the bomb that you see in Naked Gun Two and a Half. Oh
0: yeah. And
2: If it was just punted at the wall like that one, you'd be fine. But um, <laughs> but him trying to decide what you know needs to pull, and then basically Felix turns up and just flips the odds. Yeah, switch. the
0: CIA come along and just turn it off, and it's like, oh, okay, so he does not do anything.
1: Really,
2: and, really disappointing. So,
1: yeah. yeah so basically, up. what Bond all that Bond does is kill our job.
0: Pretty
1: much. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. But and well, and you know, he gets the plan to gets um Pussy Galore to you know, to change the canisters and warn the CIA, I guess, so
2: Did you notice uh did you notice Goldfinger shot Kato?
0: Bert-Quark?
2: Yeah. Kato. Yeah. <laughs> we we see Burt Kwok again in a couple of weeks' time but so Was doesn't... that Burt Kwok? That's Burkeq
0: from yeah.
1: Because
2: basically, the, it, when he explains his plan to um, gold, when he talks through his plan with Bond, and he says, uh, and he says, oh, "Apologies, Goldfinger, it's ingenious." And he says, basically, the value of your gold will go sky high, and it will. The Chinese will get what they want. Economic, uh, political instability in the West, mm. um, but, or economic instability in the West. I forget which one he says. But the, the, the Chinese person that Goldfinger's working with fuel in that plan is, is Kato from the big band. Yes, yeah, so
0: it's Ling, isn't he?
2: So. Who, who shares a set of bunk beds with Harry Hill, if I remember the joke. <laughs> he show. does, yes,
0: he does. Is that Quoc?
2: It's
1: super. Hey, little quock. hen, when, when, Ben. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> we are
0: for my
1: teeth.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Um, but yeah. we we,
0: oh. we do I'm so glad a, we have the same a, sense of humour.
2: Yeah, we do have a coder on the plane, which um, yeah is an effect they couldn't that can't but look dated.
0: Yeah, it's a bit cheesy, isn't it? Where he's like, oh, where's where's Goldfinger playing his golden harp? And like, oh yeah, I mean, it
1: does look a bit daft how he got sucked in. Did anyone notice like the random henchman on the floor as well?
0: No, I didn't. No, I who, who I, I,
1: I, I don't know if it's I, now now I feel like it just adds self conscious But I'm I'm I certainly remember like one of the. the Goldfinger's head from just lying on the floor in that scene. I was like thinking, oh, where did he come from? Yeah. But um I must have but also what went through my mind was how shit are the CIA for just letting Goldfinger bus- and <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> It's like, where was their fucking security there? Like where yeah, rubbish,
0: rubbish.
1: It's like they obviously currently the most wanted man and he's there on the plane. <laughs> no one else.
0: Not a very good idea.
1: Yeah, after sending Bond to the president, no less. It's just like... Yeah, they fought him quite,
0: quite the well. We no, think
2: would good, be a giveaway no, to start with. It's not standard army issue, it, is it? It,
1: Yeah, I mean, let's no. face it, he, he's not, he's not the fact he's the most discreet of fellows, is he? No. <laughs> mm.
0: Maybe
2: not. <laughs> he's set up so well as a villain. I mean, the, the cheating at yeah. the start of the film is just so... Mm. It's so petty, but it's so him.
1: Yeah, but that, that, that's, what, that's all you need to know. It's like, oh, I already don't like him.
2: You can't imagine him inspector. He's not he's not a team player. No. No. He's all about his own wealth.
0: Yeah, he's just purely out for the, out for the personal gain, isn't he?
1: No. Yeah. But then uh, he's not inspector, isn't it? And I think it's nice to have a break from specter as well. I think it's nice to kind of like set yourself specter but then kind of like, oh we're going to you know step away from it for this one and get back into it for the next one.
2: It reminds me very much of the Craig arc. Because yeah. his, third, his third film has nothing to do with Quantum or Spectre, mm. and then we go back. Oh,
0: yeah, that's true, actually, yeah.
1: Well, apparently I think there's a reference that, you know, um, uh, says it... Uh, oh, I can't, I'm rubbish with names. Um, Sylvia is uh, possibly connected to Spectre, but I don't know. I think it's going to be a passing reference, if anything.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't know. Might be
2: Not fact. like
1: he needs to be, but, you know.
2: I mean, Spectre really, you know, Spectre just exists to make James Bond's life a bit of... a in the ass yeah um,
1: but what, why can't it just be, a be, a be about in? you know causing terrorism and making money you know
2: but yeah it it is an interesting <laughs> change of pace I mean we go back to but I mean we, we build towards Blofeld don't we over the first sort of handful yeah. of times. and um, we break away from it this week but um, yeah I mean this this is this is the this is the start of a sort of really a two, a two or three year golden period of Bond just being the biggest thing cinematically that there was.
1: And they were filmed back to back as well though, literally that one a year.
0: Yeah, they were up until this, yeah, up until,
1: yeah. And um, so I, yeah. So it's like, I suppose you get away with it a bit more because you had, pe- people had less of a weight for it. Um, and uh, I kind of, I kind of want that. I, I kind of want a bunny Bond every year. You know, I know it's I think not feasible. That
0: quality would probably reduce considerably. Because they they don't have the, the time and you know the money and they they, yeah. they
1: they can film two things at once. I mean, it d- is of the Rings, it, didn't they? I think, it so. depends on how you plan it as well. I mean, like you have just you get another director to, to sort of step. You know get your scripts in order. So you plan ahead. So you, like you you write. You know, make sure all your stories in check, and you and you write like ahead of time, and then you sort of like get you know get your bond, and you so you, you get yourself all your actors. And then like, uh, and then when things are kind of wrapping up, you get another director. Uh, you move like maybe some more crew, you know, and just start filming ahead of time. You know, it's, you know, it's it's easy. It's all about organisation and planning ahead. You know, I mean, it's not so like the...
2: making a three hundred million dollar film.
1: It, 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 <laughs> you, it, you know what they they, they they make the fucking money. So
2: yeah, they do make the money. I mean, it,
0: it, yeah, fair enough.
2: I think now, I, I mean, I, I I'm not obviously a filmmaker, but I, you've got to think that. I would imagine post production is more intensive now. I mean even yep. the sound mix is so much more complicated yeah. than it would have been forty, fifty years ago. Um, even yes, CG, people complain about CG elements, but all films have all all action films have them to a greater or a lesser degree. They're time consuming. Um pre production, I mean these these studios, I mean, if you look at you know, it's not just Eon Productions anymore or Eon you don't have to please two producers, you've got to produce You've got to um, please two producers and... Yeah, and I think... And, and I and think that's... Sony. I think um, that's
1: where the problem lies as well. People, you know, Yeah. I mean, that's where we had to wait for freaking ages for Skyfall because, you know, it's just like... It as rested on all these different mm-hmm. production companies and all like, basically, no, I want all the money. No, I want all the money. No, I want... this. So, that, <laughs> that, that's... Dialogue there, folks.
0: you also got, like, foreign markets as well, like Chinese, like Chinese I, I'm markets. I'm pretty sure that's
1: exactly <laughs> what they sound like. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> But I mean you've also got um you've also got ancillary de- de- deals as well in that I think I can't, I don't know the percentage, maybe you do, Becca, but a a large amount of Skyfall's budget came from product placement. Oh, that now, was we've, we've always had product placement. I mean not let's not pretend the sixties was some pure era. I mean we still had Rolex and Aston Martin and you know and vodka and all the rest of it. But I don't know that the, the budgeting for a film was quite as dependent on third-party deals back then so the films are, are much more difficult to put together contractually and um, of course if you've got a deal with some russian vodka firm do you want to be hitting them up for money once every three years or once every year
0: pretty much as well but also you kind of got like the the health and you know the amount of time and energy it takes to, to invest to make these films as well like michael j wilson for example he's you know, he's recovering from a hip operation, um, like in Skyfall and things like that as well, and he's recovering from that. And he also, need to you know, be on set. <laughs> well, no, it's just, you know, it takes a lot of sort of, time and energy to sort of make these films. i and just get
1: his wife to do it, you know.
0: not getting any younger? She, and she, oh, she she, she she's barbara real broccoli anyway, so. Oh, well, that's it, pretty <laughs> But yeah, you kind of have a bit of a break in between as well, give yourself a breather, and. an initial hardcore, like, ah, um, oh, um, who directed the Lord of the Rings movies? Or Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, yeah, filming them back to back. So <laughs> I, I, I don't
1: know. I mean, I don't mind them being. I, I don't mind them being a break in between bonds. But I think when you have a bond, like I, I kind of feel like, okay, well, make as many as you can. Don't, don't go different amount for like three, or, three or four years while you're trying to like, oh, I gotta get a story right. I gotta make sure, oh, everything, everything's right in place. No, just get, yeah. just get as many bonds house. out as possible because that ain't getting any younger.
0: No, that's it. <coughs> to be um, fair, well, like, actors they want to make other films as well, sort of like as soon as they can. Well, that's fine. Uh, I mean, that like, like when, you know, you know, getting towards the end of his tenure as well, he's kind of doing other roles outside of Bond.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, long as you get a good like three or four out of them, but like, but then again, it's like well, there's, there'll be sure there's time in the schedule to film in between, Bond, like Bond anyway. You know, so there's always going to be stuff to do.
0: It's easy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I easy don't know. easy. Yeah. I mean, I know Spectre shot for a long time. It, it wrapped in July, I think.
0: Mm, that was a long shoot.
1: It
2: started, they started in about December. Yeah, which kind of make, which kind of make. I
1: thought that's quite a quick turnaround because think it's going to be out in November, or October actually, it's out in October. Yeah, um, it's like so the pre-production like that is quite, they're, they're quite I mean, they quite quick on
2: loaded that. The action sequence. I mean, they went to Austria first, I think. Mm. I think they went to Austria because Austria is going to be effects heavy because there's a lot of action there. But I mean, I know that I think the Connery films. Um, I'll need to read up on this as we get to Majesties because I know one of the problems George Lazenby had was it was so grueling; it was like a nine-month shoot, um, and I think Connery's were more like three or four. So I mean, well, I mean, he had time to make money, didn't he? Between um,
0: he did. He yeah, had between Goldfinger between and Thunder with Love and This. Uh yeah, I really <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um and a few other bits and pieces oh. around that time. So but yeah, I mean they they were gruelling long shoots and, and one of the reasons Connery went was you know, he said you need the constitution of a rugby player.
0: Sure. Even though in hot countries, you know, you guess to visit like Bahamas and
2: <laughs> Yeah, I'll be quite interested when we get to the You Only Live Twice sort of bonus features because that's where he really lost it instead mm, of not yeah. doing this anymore. And You're I'd quite like to set very, very much, and he and he comes off very prickly in interviews around that time, and that's kind of where the
0: beginning of the end really, doesn't it? It's has to fall apart for him. Yeah, I mean, when
2: you talk around, um, I mean, certainly Goldfinger. I think it was the premiere to Goldfinger. He was, or was it Thunderbolt? It was one of the two. He was driving the Aston Martin up, like in London, as part of the you know premiere and all the event, and some random woman on the street just jumped in the car with him. <gasps> As he was driving up the street and stuff like that, oh. so he stopped going to premieres. You know, you know the last couple he was in, he didn't even appear at the premiere. At this point, when you watch all the sort of Goldfinger bonus materials, he actually still sounds engaged and enthused. Um, so I, yeah, I think we're at a peak here of sort of creativity, certainly.
1: When Connery's is still interested.
2: Uh, Yeah, he's still interested, and and he's still interested next week as well. But, um, of course, next week is the last one where they're yearly. We've gone 62, 63, 64, 65. And then his fifth entry comes after a two-year break. And uh, whilst you think, well, that might let him recharge his batteries or whatever, suddenly all discipline seems to have been gone. He, He gains a lot of weight, doesn't age that well in that couple of years. And um, there's just something about—he may not have liked it, but the discipline of doing the films back to back. Yeah, he stayed in shape and and effectively in character.
0: No, he hasn't uh, prepared at all. He's just in it for the money.
1: Just a lazy, lazy Scotsman. Sorry, oh, I'm just, we'll, <laughs> just... <laughs> we'll talk about the
2: money when we when we get there. But uh, it money, it, it,
1: gonna... it is my mission <laughs> to to mission to offend everyone on this podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: You've offended me, you've offended
1: <laughs> before you've offended. So, what are you Hang thinking? on, I've offended
0: you, I'm sorry. I no, i am joking, don't worry, you haven't offended me. No.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll get to that next week.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> have we talked about the D B five at all?
1: We have a have a bit. I mean, you know, it's D B five, it's the first Bon car. I mean...
0: Okay, let's let's do that and then let's wrap it up.
2: Yeah. Alright.
1: <laughs> did it, okay, did anyone else feel that like, you know, when like they introduced the machine guns at the side? And, bef- uh, and before before it crashes, it's like, oh shit! We haven't used a machine guns. It's quite cool. I have bonfire it now. I've bon- had yeah, bonfire. The it. One did, they? Yeah, and, and it didn't really work. Yeah, um, no, that was
0: very good though. I think yeah, DB five is definitely that's another like iconic moment. That's the yeah. first time one of the biggest gadgets of the time, and you still obviously you see it, and like, can skyfall, and it's like right, okay, we're going to take a trip back in time.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I really.
1: I didn't like it, Skyfall,
2: but... I think you've got to be... I think you had to be around when this film came out to get the full impact of this car. Sure. Because Goldfinger wasn't the first film I'd seen. It wasn't even the first film I'd seen with, with like, an an iconic... In fact, probably the first film I saw with an iconic Bond car in it probably would have been the Lotus in The Spy Mm -hmm. and Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thinking about it, because we didn't go back to sort of iconic cars until, well, apart from The Living Daylights, relatively recently. I do think the DB5 gets rolled out far too often now. I'm sick of seeing it. We've seen it in almost every film now since. Yeah, it's the most.
0: It's, since, you know, you associate it with Bond, don't you?
2: Sorry. Say that again. Sorry, Becca. Sorry,
0: you associate it with Bond, don't you?
2: You do, but I mean, we didn't see it between Thunder... Well, I'm told it's in the background of a shot in Diamonds and so on, but as a really featured part of of the film, you don't see it between sort of Thunderball next week and Goldeneye. It, it just, it, all of a sudden, nostalgia's massively taken hold and the DB5 has to be in, like, every film. And I don't really understand that. And I think because I didn't get the full effect of this car being iconic at the time, because I don't think it's remotely the best-looking Aston Martin Bond drives in the series, I think there's a couple of cars that are far better looking um, but yeah, it's in every film now and I don't really understand why
1: can, can, I, can I just shock you I don't really have I don't really share the same love for the DB5 as generally, that generally Bond fans seem to share and i tell you what, it's mainly down to this, I'm, I'm not a big car guy so whenever like a new car rolls out I go, alright then I really, I really could not give a shit. Really, I mean, but, but then Nothing that's so more. I'm
2: only really interested in what they look like. That's yeah.
1: It. So I really. So it comes down to more like right. Okay. Well, what, is it is it one with gadgets? Right. Okay. How's it how's it going to be used in an action set piece rather than like mm. the car itself? I'm kind of like it's not my bag. shall we say so? Generally, I think that kind of like love and nostalgia is lost mm-hmm. to me.
2: And I thought Lazenby drove a much, much prettier car for like Aston Martins of that era. Mm. Um I mean I don't Dr. mind I don't
1: mind the look of it. I mean for, for the time for the sixties just, just it's fine. It
2: just doesn't excite me.
1: But yeah, just, but then at the same I'm just not a car guy, I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I just want to see Bond in Action rather than like you know, when people start mentioning cars cars in Bond, I'm like that's 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 the time I go like yeah, I start like kind of just casually not paying like, that much attention anymore.
0: You switch off a little bit.
1: Yeah, but it's just, it's a, that's just me. I'm just not a car guy. I'm just like you know, I'm I'm pretty much one of the. I'm quite boring when it comes to cars. I'm like if it it's like I'm does it work right? That's all I care about. Does it motor run right? That's fine. That's like
0: does it turn on when you put the key in the engine? Basically, yeah.
1: If it, if it, if it does the things that I need to do, that's that's all I'm interested in. You know, but Fair enough. yeah. So uh, but I'd I'd like I like the use of it in. Say Casino Royale, where it's just like literally used as the classic car. Um, not so much in Sky 4, because I thought that was, yeah, just, a bit, that was just a yeah, bit too that cheesy. Holding, wasn't it? it was just too cheesy. It was just like, it just came out of fucking nowhere. It's just like, oh fuck's sake, seriously, we're we doing this? <sighs> I, filmed, I filmed this tone and scope, and, was, and you're like, suddenly going to like Roger Moore parody.
2: It was tonally okay. really odd as well. Yeah. Because- he opens the garage door and you get the little sting of the Bond music.
1: Yeah. And then and that's
2: all right. But then they drive off in it and they play the Bond thing properly right the way through. And I think it's the first time in that film. I'm not sure. But, of course, they're driving around, like, you know, London at midnight or whatever yeah. it is. So, and there's just something not quite right about the classic Bond theme driving, is, you know, as they're driving past, like, kebab shops and shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it just... This, it's just not right. Well I don't know, it's just a bit they free threatens like to like M. C M, it's just like oh god you know, it's like it, I mean it if if there was like a little throwy line like, Oh, the, these are the cars that we used to use back in the day, I would have been alright with it. But it just felt a little bit too on the nose and mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, the, and, I just do it just for the hell of it. And whenever it was raised up, it was like oh I have said, Well, it's the fiftieth anniversary. We had to do no no you didn't. No you didn't.
2: You didn't. You did Yeah, it happened on your fortieth anniversary when you tried to cram references in. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, like, yeah,
0: that's he, probably he, the most did. I didn't Like about the film. Too yeah,
1: much. You really didn't. Anyhow,
2: yeah. I actually quite. I didn't mind them in the because the, the, they were in the first two Brosnan entries. They
0: were.
2: And it's clearly his personal car.
1: Yeah.
2: It's you know they've obviously retired it from service at some point in his career or just before his career or whatever in that timeline, and he's had one. So he drives it around a bit in Monaco, in the second one he uses it to get back to HQ. I'm kind of alright with that. But it just becomes this big thing in film after film. And uh, Goldfinger's got a lot to answer for on that. For it, it's I like his Batmobile. Hmm? It's like
0: his Batmobile.
1: It is Batmobile,
0: isn't it? People? It's Bonmobile.
1: Bonmobile. Shaguar. Um, I, I Shaguar. It, <laughs> it it's you know, it's a fifty
2: and in this day and age as well, it's a fifty year old car. You know, is is a is a forty something agent really going to be just driving around in that, particularly all tricked out? Um, no, that's
0: it. it's probably it was, like, driving around a Lambo, wasn't But
2: I, I yeah, I, I think it's just time to let it go now. If Bond, if Bond's, you know, if the cinematic Bond's car is an Aston Martin, in the same way that the literary one was largely a Bentley, fine, give, give him an Aston Martin in every film if you want, but do we really have to keep hearkening back to this particular car?
0: No, that's it. It's quite interesting actually. You mentioned the Bentley because obviously that's mentioned in, you know, Connery has a line. Oh, what happened to the Bentley? And he goes, Oh, it's had its day, I'm afraid. And it's like, well, you know, in the in the first in Doctor No, we see him driving a sunbeam. I think I, I, I couldn't tell you anything more about that, unfortunately. If I'm not sure we do not see that too much of it either. And then obviously we get the DB5 and in, in Goldfinger. but mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be the same as you, Chris. I mean, obviously I'm not that much of a petrol head, um, but I know a little bit about like the Bond cars and everything, but. That's as far as I can tell, you, you know, if it's got machine gun headlights and things like that, so it doesn't do much for machine me. Gun really. Well, but, you know what I mean. You know, yes. No,
2: just I just had a bit of an Austin Powers
0: <laughs> <laughs> machine gun jubblies. <W's>. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, I'll tell you about you know the, the gadgets that that's installed in the car, but I couldn't tell you. I know it's like a lot of but that's it. Uh, <laughs>
1: I um I, I much prefer Lotus. I mean it turns out to be a submarine and you know that fires rockets from the top, <laughs> so
0: Yeah, I'm say I'm yeah. not that much of a car enthusiast, yes, but I mean, there is when it comes to the bomb cars. I know, mean, I, I probably
1: just pissed off every single bomb band by saying that as well. <laughs> but <laughs> but but, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Well, no, I just I just don't give that much a shit about cars. That's that's how it <laughs> comes down to it.
2: It's quite um I mean there, there is an alternate history, I suppose. Where each bond sort of maybe got a different make, if you like, yeah. Because you know, obviously Sean Connery and Lazenby was kind of like a substitute Connery in a lot of ways. Um, had Aston Martin, more had Lotuses. I mean, it, it it wouldn't have been, you know, perhaps after that, you know, the next Bond Dalton might have had Jaguars. You know what I mean? It could have, they could have gone a very different route with it. Obviously Brosnan, but I mean, something wasn't right. As much as I'm not into cars, something wasn't right with Brosnan driving around in BMWs. I, I wasn't fond of that at all.
1: Uh, what, no, what, what was it about? Was it just... uh just didn't seem right? just wasn't like the name? It's not that, that was... it's a
2: BMW. It's not that it's German. It, it's none of that. It's just... It just all felt so uninspired. I mean, particularly Tomorrow Never Dies, because it's just a saloon <laughs> car.
1: Well, what, what, would you rather Bond drive a Peugeot?
2: Nissan Micra, Nissan might, or <laughs> oh, one of those smart cars. A
1: Skoda, a Skoda. <laughs> Actually, let let's get
2: him get let's get him on a motability sco- scooter. Did, oh. did
1: he drive a Citroen at one point?
0: TCV, if yours oh. only. Oh yes, he did. I love a ride in the country, don't you? <laughs> I think I, I seen my my godmother driving one of those little cars. I think she might have had like a blue one or something. It's
2: hey, good that's going to that, be a shock when we get there, because I'm actually going to sort of say nice things about a Roger Moore film.
1: What, a few hours only? Yeah, well, it is a great, is good, good it's, one. It's, it's actually... No, that's
0: that's my least, one of my least favourite Roger Moore films. What? Meh. What? The, the score has a lot to answer for.
2: Yeah, Bill Conti score.
0: Um, I it used to be like my worst ever, but um, I've I'm going to appreciate it more, but it's still probably one of my lowest ranking ones. Mm. But yeah, the school. It is lit
1: down hard. by a few cheesy moments, like the Margaret reference is a little bit off. Oh, fuck's sake, come on! But give uh, us a
0: kiss. Give us a kiss. <laughs> All right. All right. The parrot at the end.
2: Yeah, there were, there were I didn't really. <laughs> oh,
1: I, and, and the final line feels. only, my darling. Oh, it just feels. Oh,
2: we've just crammed the title. In.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. I, I, it, in a really horrible way. It's like you know what? It would be better if you just said nothing. Nobody would have been a lot better.
2: So its predecessor could have been called.
1: I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: a few to a kill really got spat out quite badly to try and tie it in, didn't it? And, I don't know. Uh, but
1: it, I, 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 I don't know. It. Yeah. Yeah. But I, was... I kind of like the, the delivery. If you know what I mean.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah.
2: Yeah, we were back. We're, but, but, we're yeah. Say we're back. where... are um... We're back in the era with Goldfinger where the, the title's actually... where they're Fleming still. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, it's very early things. in the series. The books at this stage are still very, very... um Was
1: this, was this quite um truthful to the book as well, considering?
2: Um, relative. It's been a long time since I read the book. I remember being somewhat underwhelmed by the book in a lot of ways, but it's the same basic story. Mm. I seem to recall Tilly lives a bit longer in the book. A uh bit. Pers- yeah. Pussy she got a few more yards. Yeah, 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 yeah she got five more feet. Uh, <laughs> I seem to remember the lesbianism was a bit more overt. Yeah. And obviously yeah. And obviously the plan was to rob Fort Knox. So it was different. But I mean the basic the basic beats of the story, as I recall, are the same. These early films are fairly faithful. I mean, certainly as I say, we start go. We start sort of going off topic in a couple of weeks. Um, Majesties is then fairly, and then after that, they're, they're all over the shop. They're not, they're still using Fleming titles, but they're not. They're not the novels really. They're not films no, they off the novels, They're it. not even adaptations. I think Majesties is the last one that really, really is. Um, but I mean, next week's interesting because it's got uh, obviously next week we've got Thunderbolt. And there's a hell of a story behind that film. It's, it really does ramp up in price, in scope, um, in length. And also we, uh, legal issues around these films. Yeah,
0: that one, there's as much, much drama happening off-screen as there is on-screen. Yes,
2: oh, yeah. they're, all, they're not swimming and fighting slowly off-screen.
0: No. <laughs> so,
1: so to wrap up, final thoughts on Goldfinger. Re- Rebecca? Rebecca?
0: um yeah as i say it's like an iconic bond movie um for me i think it's probably the best in connery series perhaps maybe a second uh, from my shoe of love but yeah definitely it's probably it hits the mark um and you see a lot of the bond elements coming together and yeah really enjoyable Bond movie
1: yeah for me it's it's like the ultimate classic um it it, is rival it does test the best Connery for me I mean I think my personal fate will always be from Russia but this one really is like a benchmark one which it, and it justifiably so I mean with every watch it justifies the reason why it is the classic Bond film because it is just so watchable
0: Luke?
2: Yeah it's like I alluded to earlier you know if you were putting together a time capsule of the 1960s you know, maybe Sergeant Pepper or Revolver or The White Album or something would go in there uh, and this would be the Bond film that went in there. That doesn't necessarily say it is the best, but it, it, it's the Bond film and there hasn't been, I'm not even sure there's a Bond film after it that's anywhere near as iconic, maybe The Spy Who Loved Me. And
1: it's, and it's got a really good score. The score is actually quite um, sexy and uh, seductive, you know, and quite sort it's of... It's brassy Yeah, surely. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, of but no, but no, but no, is it? even like lots of like tones that you kind of like the, that's used in other samples, like the 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 playing like doom 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 doom. You know, the sort of slower yeah. sort of beats. It's it's like it's quite a sort of mysterious, it's just, haunting. It's just got
2: more pizzazz to yeah. it. As well, it, it it suddenly it's like it's like the curtains have been opened and some light's been let in. Mm. I mean you we finish we finished the title scene, uh the title uh the titles rather and we go straight to um that pan into Miami Beach. And it's like listening to Henry Mancini or something like that. Who? <laughs> uh Henry Mancini did all the Pink Panther scores and he did um The Godfather music was nearly all done by Nino Rota. Yeah he was having arguments with the studio, namely Bob Evans, about the score. And he wanted Nino Rota, and basically Henry Mancini wanted either source music or Henry... uh, Sorry, Bob Evans either wanted source music or Henry Mancini. And um, the one bit of source music that was left in the film is the bit where um, Tom Hagen, at the start of the film, goes to meet that film producer, the, the famous horse's head. And as the Plain Lands, a specific piece of music plays that always reminds me um, of this. Hang on a minute, let me just find it. I've got to find its track name. It is, hang on a minute. This is some of the music that played, hang on. That's not really what I was getting at, but... yeah. Anyway, it's basically there's quite a brassy piece of music when he lands in um, when they go to. Yeah, the, the whole thing is just like somebody's o- opened the curtains and like more lights come in. It's I mean even from you know post credits when we go straight to like Miami, the the really sort of brassy music that plays is just so much more upbeat and alive than anything we've had so far. Yeah, this is the time capsule Bond film. Um, doesn't necessarily make it the, the best. That That's up to individual taste, but it
0: just is the Bond film. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, this podcast and Bond will return in Thunderbolt.
1: Um, I want to mention how they can email our voice our programme.
0: Okay, yes yeah, so we just say, oh, yeah, you can also email us now at... Expect us to talk at gmail dot com.
1: That's right. So if you have any feedback or any suggestions, if you, want, if you want us to talk about anything, any aspect of Bond, you can just sort of email us, let us know. Or if you want to just, um, I'll just, I, my, my track of trainer of thought has just gone completely. <laughs> or if you can say
0: bye, bye.
1: Can't, I can assure you, they will read your feedback. Yes, because chances are, we are having. <laughs> Because <laughs> our years of doing a podcast, I had probably had no emails whatsoever. So if I get the slightest one, I will probably read it. So
0: please feel free to email us, but uh, no, no hate, please.
2: Yeah, I, I won't read them. I'll, I'm just going to stay artistically pure.
0: <laughs> if... okay, yeah, try and couple something together from that, Chris.
2: But but Chris and Becker can read your emails.
0: <laughs> we will
1: read your emails. And, and, and obviously, like in emails, a path to the soul, so be warned.
0: <laughs> See you next week, folks. <laughs> okay, bye.